coaching at whatever level is and playing at whatever level is a is a stressful undertaking. To have that success over that amount of time, it's a testament to him and his fortitude. People always love to start, and we always love to finish. We get ready to start school. We get excited. We're going to start school. We're graduating. We're, we're getting excited because we're going to graduate. What is that sustainability in the middle between starting it and finishing it that most people don't have? So he is a measure above normal men. Good. Later on, we're going to do gassers yeah. and a 12-minute run. You know what? You'll be, you'll be in your uh, scooter. Yeah. <laughs> this is Mr. Perfect, the man who presides over the only unbeaten team in NFL history. Mr. Perfect indeed. Don Shula has passed away at the age of 90, and we are doing things different on this edition of the Drive Time Podcast, an ode to the greatest coach in National Football League history, the winningest coach in National Football League history, the winner of two Super Bowl championships with your Miami Dolphins. Don Shula, at the age of 90, has passed away. We're going to talk to Andy Cohen of MiamiDolphins.com, Armando Salguero of the Miami Herald, and give you some details on Don Shula's life, both on the football field and and off of it. Let's just go ahead and start here with his on-field football accomplishments. First, he was a ninth-round draft pick back in 1951. He played with the Browns, the Colts, and Washington up through the 1957 season. Then began his career as a coach, first with the Detroit Lions as the D.C. there from 1960 to 62. Took on the head coaching job with the Baltimore Colts, where he won an NFL championship in 1968. And then, of course, we all know by now, Miami Dolphins head coach from 1970 through 1995, the two-time Super Bowl champion. He was the four-time AP NFL Coach of the Year, the Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year in 1993. He was on the NFL 100th Anniversary All-Time Team, the NFL's 1970s All-Decade Team, and of course, your Miami Dolphins Honor Roll and a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He has the most regular season wins as a head coach with 328, the most total wins as a head coach with 347, and of course, was the only coach to ever go undefeated through an entire regular season and playoffs. He also coached 33 seasons in the NFL and had just two seasons that were not winning seasons. So 31 out of 33 times, he was a winning coach, part of a winning football team. And my goodness, you talk to anybody around the National Football League, ex-players, ex-coaches, ex-media members, they all say the same things about Don Chula, both on and off the field, the integrity, the intensity, the discipline, but also a little bit of a sense of humor. Today, we're going to detail two people that know Don Shula very well, and Andy Cohen and Armando Salguero of MiamiDolphins.com and the Miami Herald. Tomorrow on the podcast, we'll get some sound clips from Bob Greasy, from Larry Sanka, Mercury Morris, plenty of the alumni that played for Coach Shula, and we'll talk to those guys about their memories of Coach and the great life that he lived, both as a football man, a family man, a husband, and just a good friend, a good person, a guy that did things the right way every single time. Don Shula, Mr. Football himself, the patriarch of the Miami Dolphins organization, gone today, May 4th, 2020. He was born January 4th, 1930, at the age of 90, has passed along. Let's go ahead now and get to the interviews I had the pleasure of conducting with both Andy Cohen and Armando Salguero on Don Shula, the greatest coach in NFL history. And joining me now on the Drive Time podcast is a 40-year veteran of the Miami Dolphins, a columnist, Andy Cohen. Andy, thank you so much for joining me today, sir. 
Pleasure to be with you, Travis. Unfortunately, we have to have you on today for some for some somber news. Coach Shula passes away at the age of 90, and who better to have a celebration of Shula's life and what his career in football, both on the field and off the field and all the contributions he made to South Florida, than yourself. And I want to just ask you off the top here, Andy, who was Don Shula to you? Wow, he was so many things to me. I, I When I first started the beat in 1980, he was the most intimidating figure you can imagine all I did was see him from afar and the success he had and the perfect season. And here I come in 1980, a 24 year old reporter. Um, and I was intimidated at first, I have to admit, but as I grew to know Shula and developed a relationship with him, I began to understand that in order to gain his respect, you have to work at it and you have to show him the type of, person you are and reporter you are and if he can gain the respect of you as a journalist which it took time for me but he did then he gains respect for you as a person and he he slowly begins letting you in as he gains respect if he doesn't gain respect for you nothing you can do will allow you into his world uh, and he'll let you know it every day by the scowl on his face or by the way he'll respond to your question but as the years passed and the respect gained, uh, I grew to not only admire and respect him, but love him in many ways. He was just uh, a, a classy person, a wonderful coach, uh, somebody who cared deeply, somebody whose values were true to himself from family, mass, and football. Um, and now, as I look back on it, I feel very fortunate to have gotten to know him. Uh, I never took the friendship I developed with him for granted. And Travis, over the last 15 years, whenever I saw him, there was always a warm embrace, a warm handshake. And he'd always look at me and say, one of the good guys. Uh, <laughs> and I, I would really be thrilled by that. And I passed that on to my sons. And it's something I'll truly never forget, Travis. We read a story earlier on on Monday morning that Jeff Darlington mentioned a visit to Don Shula's house where there was pictures of Reagan and the Dalai Lama and all these world-renowned figures. But Jeff said that Shula made him feel as if he was the most important person in the world at that time. And it sounds like you have a very similar experience with Coach. I, you know, I really did. And he did know a lot of famous people. And, it, you know, it was, it was funny sometimes because he was so focused and he was so he had such tunnel vision on football that a lot of thing a lot of times you wonder if whether he's losing what's happening in the world around him, and you know and although he was old fashioned in many ways and and really had trouble uh, um, liking the new kind of music or liking the new kind of TV, uh, uh, he he uh, he knew a lot of people and he had the respect of a lot of people. And to sit in his office on some afternoons and hear Ann, his secretary, say, Coach Shula, George Steinbrenner's on the line, or Coach Shula, whatever. Uh, it, it, it was really remarkable to see the depth of the people he knew and the relationships that he had. And he certainly carries that with him every day in his life since he was such a prominent figure in South Florida. And that became the case because of his on-field football acumen, a guy that, you know, the first day of training camp, you have to run. How, how far was it they had to run, Andy? 
Well, there was the there was the twelve minute run, and it, it was it was okay for a lot of the players, but the offensive and defensive linemen really had trouble with it. If you fail it again, you have to keep running it until you try, until you make it. And there were certain players that just couldn't do it. And Shula would let the unlike today's world, Shula would let the writers on the field, and we would stand in a big circle as the players ran around, and it, it was it was a remarkable thing. And and the thing about Shula is when it was over, he ran the twelve minute mm-hmm. run, and we're and when sprints were over every day after practice, and these sprints went on and on. Shula sprinted every day after practice. It, it, it was really it was really amazing because there was nothing. It was very little, I should say, that he asked of his players that he wouldn't do himself from a conditioning standpoint. Yeah, that to me just embodies leadership, right? Because you can't ask someone to do something that you're not willing to do yourself, and you have a certain level of respect for Coach Shula, and it seems like every single player that played for him shared that respect. Is that correct to say? You know, it's it's certainly it's certainly correct to say. You know, and as far as a reporter covering a coach, Travis, he was the most accessible coach. I've ever covered in my 40 years. He would often have two, sometimes three practices a day, and he would make himself available at the end of every practice. Then at, then at lunchtime at St. Thomas University, he used to come from the coach's table, sit down at the media lunch table. We ate with the coaches and the players during, during those times, Travis. <laughs> and he would sit down with us and answer every question we had. Then he would stand up and do live TV. Then he would do TV shots, answer every question they had. Then if you needed more time with him, he'd walk back through the parking lot to his office with you to give you more time. It was incredible how he understood the job we had and what we needed to do to do it. Uh, and from that, sto- from that standpoint, I really didn't realize how unusual he was until he left. And then you started other coaches covering other coaches, and then you get today's world where there really is very, very limited availability. Uh, So he was remarkable not only to his players, Travis, uh, but to the media as well. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like, you know, a man that's so well-revered on the football field, but also off of it as well. And the way he kind of cultivates and, and nurtures those, those relationships certainly was special. Andy, we really appreciate your time today. And uh, go check out Andy's piece on MiamiDolphins.com. Tons of stories with Don Shula and himself. You knew the man for so many years. Andy, we really appreciate it. Travis, always a pleasure. So from one longtime vet and Andy Cohen to another on the beat from the Palm Beach Post and now the Miami Herald, let's go ahead and talk to Armando Salguero on Coach Shula. And joining me now on the Drive Time Podcast is longtime Miami Dolphins columnist from the Miami Herald. He is Armando Salguero. Armando, how you doing today, sir? Well, Travis, it's not a great day, uh, but all things considered, I guess we're, we're all right. We are moving forward now as Coach Shula at the age of 90 has passed on, but he left us a great legacy and plenty of great stories. And Armando, you were there up close and personal for much of that early in your career. And I just want to get a sense of who was Coach Shula to you? Wow, that's a that's a good question, Travis. So to me, he was a guy that, you know, being a resident of Miami from childhood, Um, I grew up watching him on television. I grew up watching him uh, raise Lombardi trophies and, um, you know, get on referees on the sideline (laughs) and congratulate his players. 
I grew up wanting to, you know, think that which was 12 blocks from my house was kind of his house. And so we were in the same neighborhood. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I'm working for, uh, you know, a couple of newspapers down here, first the Palm Beach Post and then the Miami Herald. And lo and behold, I'm interviewing Don Shula and covering Don Shula. And, you know, I was in my 20s at the time. And <laughs> it was quickly a education in how to have your facts right, <laughs> how to be on your game right away, and how to have respect and be respected, because that's how he worked. He respected everyone who, you know, deserved it and gave them respect back. And that's why I think we got along pretty good. And it was definitely a different era of media and of covering sports back in those days where there was not so many restrictions around, you know, certain coach and player availability. So you kind of developed a closer relationship with the coaches and the players. What was it like for you personally with Coach Shula? Yeah, so the way it would work once the Dolphins moved from St. Thomas to uh, Davey, uh, well, let me, let me back up. At St. Thomas, you got to understand the lunch hall was open to the media. And we would, as reporters, eat every day. And then at, at one point, Shula would get up and come over to the writer's table and just talk with the writers. And sometimes when you needed something extra, you just walked back to his office with Shula. I remember walking back with him and him telling me, yeah, we've got this linebacker that no one knows about that we're really excited about. Uh, you're going to see him do some good things here uh, this year or next year. That guy's name was Brian Cox. Um, <laughs> he had 14 and a half sacks, I think, his first or second year. Oh, wow. So Shula knew that he had something special uh, brewing. Once we were in Davie, he liked to run every day with Stuart Weinstein, who was his security guy. And I knew that every day at noon, he was going to go for his run. So I would come up to Davey, and they had this steel uh, bench just outside the locker room. And I would sit myself at the bench. Uh, there was really no gated security or anything like that or the cameras that they got now. I would sit there, and after Shula's run, he would come over and sit down, and we'd talk football. And he would tell me what he was thinking about the team, and I would shut up. <laughs> That's how the relationship went. Uh, so, uh, you know, Don Shula is talking. I think I'll just be quiet. Um, and he appreciated that because I recognized that, hmm, do I know more than him or does he know more than me? I think he knows more than me. I just, I'm going to write. Um, and that's how it went. And it was great because you get to know a lot about the Miami Dolphins when Don Shula is comfortable and sweaty and he just came off the field after a 40-minute run. 
Yeah, that's probably the best time to get a hold of him there when maybe he's at his most honest. But I am curious to ask you because we talk about how, you know, modern day football and what it was back then has changed quite a bit. But Shula was kind of the face of the organization and kind of the guy you mentioned, Brian Cox and the evaluation and, and getting a guy like that ready to play at such a young age. He was kind of the entire operation, wasn't he? He was the the first word and the final word. And, you know, obviously, he had people that helped him. I think that the quality of those people had a lot to do with uh, what kind of success he had on the field. Obviously, when it was amazing, great quality, like when Joe Thomas and Bobby Beathard were, were you know, putting uh, Pro Bowl players on the roster... Shula was taking Pro Bowl players and turning them into Hall of Famers. When others would get solid, good players, would often turn them into Pro Bowl players. But, you know, it was a matter of that guy, the talent, he and he was going to win big, and he knew how to do it. He knew how, he knew how to turn... Um, negatives into positives and at the very least hide the negatives and that was that was one of his talents and he also wasn't too uh, you know egotistical about how he got things done we have to remember Travis that Don Shula won back-to-back Super Bowls doing what running the football and playing great defense with a no-name defense years later This guy with, you know, floppy hair happened along and he could throw the football a little bit. Don Shula had been to the to the Super Bowl the year before. And then all of a sudden he sees David Woodley on the practice field and he's got Dan Marino on the practice field. And it wasn't long before Dan Marino was throwing the football. The Miami Dolphins were throwing the football. And they ushered in a new era, really, in the NFL of throwing the football. And, and that's what the NFL has developed into today. You know, 48 touchdown passes in a year, 44 touchdown passes in a year is still pretty great today, uh, although not the record. Back then, it was unheard of. It was spectacular. And the fact that the Dolphins were the team that did that, the run the running dolphins, the three yards in a cloud of dust dolphins, they're doing this? Yeah, that was Don Shula deciding, this is what I got. This is what we're going to go with. I think the second most touchdown passes that year, Marino had 48, was 32, if I'm not mistaken. And I think that's the perfect measure of what kind of coach he was, Armando, was a guy that could take in his and beat yours or whatever the famous quote was. I know I butchered it just now, but that's, I mean, that's the sense you get from people that talk about coach pretty much unanimously. I had Nat Moore on this podcast not that long ago, and he talked about beating the Bears in 1985 because they attacked the 46 defense in a way that was different than anybody else had attacked it before that. So, So I'm curious to get your sense because you cover so many different characters and so many different coaches and players over the years, Armando. What was the general consensus from people you've talked to that knew coach about what kind of person he was and what kind of coach he was? Integrity. Mm -hmm. That's the one word that pops up over and over and over. And that was the one thing that Don Shula strived for 
right up there with success and winning. Because to him, it wasn't enough to win. It, it had to be you have to win with integrity. You have to win and feel good about yourself as a person when you've done it. You're not going to cheat. You're not going to take advantage of loopholes. You're not going to do things that will come back and besmirch you and soil your reputation. You're going to do it with class. You're going to do it so that it holds up over history. And when the historians look back, they say, oh, my gosh, that was amazing. And it was done in an amazing way. And that's what Don Shula really was about. And not just, by the way, uh, on the football field. I think that's that's preached to his kids. That was what he was about his entire life. He wanted to do things in that people would remember him. And now we're going to start remembering him, obviously, because he's passed. But they wanted he wanted that they remember him the right way. We're going to remember a lot of coaches and players in NFL history. Some of those have histories that, you know, yeah, but you understand what I'm saying? Yep. It's the, yeah, but they did this other thing. When you're talking about Don Shula, um, I don't think there are any yeah, buts. Certainly not, especially when we talk about the level of integrity and intensity that he coached with. And speaking of that intensity, Armando, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this on the way out. I know your great Joe Green story about standing up to Joe Green. I got to ask you, do you have any run-ins with Coach that might get a little bit of a chuckle out of us? Yeah. Yeah, so the Joe Green story was Joe Green and I going back and forth and, you know, whatever. Joe Green. Don Shula, you don't stand up to Don Shula, okay? <laughs> and so that was a little different. And Joe Green, by the way, is way bigger and way more intimidating <laughs> physically than Don Shula. But the reputation, the reputation of Don Shula supersedes everything. And so one time I wrote a story about the dolphins on the road. And part of that story included a passage of what the Dolphins put in Don Shula's suite, um, you know, the, for the night that he is there. And it included the fact that he gets a case of beer uh, put in his suite refrigerator for his, you know, assistants or any visitors that might come around. And so I wrote it. No big deal, right? Uh, I mean, are you offended that Don Shula had beer in his refrigerator? I I don't know that anyone really would be. Yet Don Shula, uh, I show up to one of those uh, noon run things, and I'm sitting there, and he storms over, and he's like, you made me look like a bleep in the paper today. And I'm like, what? And there was about three minutes of dressing down by Don Shula because in his opinion, I had made him look like he was like some sort of alcoholic, <laughs> which obviously he was not. And so uh, that, that conversation in, included me doing my best Ralph Cramden impersonation. You're too young, but there was a show called The Honeymooners 
And the, the main guy, Jackie Gleason, was Ralph Cramden. And when he didn't have an answer for something, it was hamana, 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 hamana. <laughs> that was his answer. And that was Armando going, but coach, hamana, 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 hamana. <laughs> um, so Don Shula, you know, took me out that day um, and undressed me and left me on the field right there <laughs> crying. And, uh, you know, the funny thing about it is the next day he, he calls and he goes, Hey, and I'm like, Oh boy, here we go again. <laughs> and I'm like, yes. And he goes, I'm running at one today, not noon. Okay. I'll be there. Okay. Click. <laughs> and you know, I thought he was going to be still be angry and he wasn't. And it was cool. All was well because he had gotten his say he had made his point, and we're moving on. And that just defines the type of leadership that he exuded every day, right? It defined the type of person yep. uh, that he was, that's for sure, uh, beyond football, and just that's, beyond football. Yeah, that, that's, that's the best part about it all right there. Armando, we really appreciate your time. You guys know who he is, Armando Salguero of the Miami Herald. Armando, thank you for your time today. My pleasure. And away he goes. Some fantastic stories there from Andy and Armando alike. Let's go ahead and leave this podcast on the greatest quote I think that describes Don Shula and what you heard both Armando and Andy talk about in terms of how he was able to adapt and adjust on the fly in an era where teams and coaches just didn't do that. This from Bum Phillips who said, quote, he can take his in and beat Yorn and take Yorn and beat his in, end quote. That's just about it because Shula took his roster, took his team and evolved it into what the game asked for, into what his personnel asked for, and that's how you wind up the winningest coach in NFL history. Don Shula, 1930 to 2020. Don Shula, he will be missed. Fins up, coach.